0: Welcome to Keep the Republic with Dr. Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee, Conservatives of Picture Perfect Window Cleaning, Michael Hahn of Fathom Realty, and ThinkExodus.org. And now, here's Daniel.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Keep the Republic. This is Dr. Daniel Bobinski here, your host, For the next half an hour or so, talking about issues facing America and people here in Idaho feels facing issues facing America. As promised on our show this week, we have Gabriel Wrench, who recently was involved in a lawsuit up in Moscow and won, and that's been national news, and I wanted to have him on the show to talk about some of that uh, series of events. So we're going to get to him in just a quick second, so that we can talked about that right away. I do want to acknowledge our sponsors, a couple of our sponsors right up front. One of them is the Exodus Institute. And I'm going to encourage you to go to thinkexodus.org. Because if you're homeschooling, they have a supplementary program for 5th through 12th grades, on-demand video. They do all the teaching. They do all the grading. It's only 20 bucks a month. Cancel anytime. If you're not yet homeschooling or still have your children in the academic indoctrination camps, I do recommend you take a look at thinkexodus.org so that you can find out some alternatives and get your kids out of that indoctrination. Once again, that's thinkexodus.org. One more acknowledgement here is Tom Lopak with Picture Perfect Window Cleaning. This is the summertime still. It's still beautiful. You can save yourself some money to get those windows cleaned if you contact Picture Perfect and tell them you heard about them on the Keep the Republic show. By the way, they also do more than window cleaning. They do gutter cleaning pressure washing, screen repair. Tom Lopak is the owner. Tell him you heard about it on Keep the Republic. You're going to get $50 off any window cleaning job over $250 or 10% off your total bill, whichever is greater. They do business and residential. Just contact them at windowcleaningboise.com. That's windowcleaningboise.com. All right. As I said, we're going to be talking with Gabriel Wrench today. And before I introduce him, I want to play for you a short minute and a half clip. It's kind of capturing the overview of this arrest that happened with this psalm thing up in
0: Moscow. Let's go ahead and roll this. That's Gabriel Wrench being walked away in handcuffs from an apparently peaceful protest in Moscow Wednesday night. The reason? Wrench refused multiple times to identify himself to officers who were attempting to write him a ticket for violating the city's face mask order. Wrench is on Leyta County's ballot, running for a county commissioner's seat. The arrest all stems from what Wrench called a quote, worship protest that was taking place outside city hall. He
2: comes from
0: A church that Wrench attends planned to gather to sing psalms and protest Moscow's mask order in a parking lot outside City Hall. The order, which requires masks in public where social distancing isn't possible, was extended for several more months earlier this week. Wrench said he feels the order violates his freedoms. Wrench was later released from jail and only cited for not following the mask order. He says he wasn't cited for resisting arrest. Now, police do confirm though that two unmasked people at the protest were arrested for not identifying themselves to officers as well. Wrench doesn't believe he was singled out, but rather happened to be the person closest to officers when they approached the group. Moscow's police chief tells Krem officers tried to give the church group multiple opportunities to spread out and come into compliance with the order. In fact, the city drew these dots in the parking lot before the protest happened to encourage the group to social distance, but Moscow's police chief says the group chose to ignore that. The citations are the first the city has issued since the order took effect this summer. And the chief of police says these arrests happened after close to four months of his officers trying to work with the community and educate about the order. French says he plans to fight the misdemeanor charge against him. He has a court date scheduled for next week.
1: And that's kind of the summary that was on that uh, news station, Creme 2 News out of Spokane. And here over at Natural News, we have a headline that says, Victory! Christians arrested for not wearing masks at outdoor service receive a $300,000 settlement. Uh, Gabriel Wrench has been on Fox News. He's been all over the country getting interviewed on this, and I'm so honored to have him on the uh, Keep the Republic show. Uh, Gabriel Wrench, thanks for joining me here. How you been?
2: Daniel, thank you for having me on your show again. It's good to circle back on this side of the victory.
1: Yeah, well, uh, congratulations. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of amazed that uh, you did win because the heavy hand of the law has been pressing down so hard against Christians and constitutional conservatives. So here you had this court battle. First of all, let me just ask the quick question. What made you move forward with this? What was the the catalyst to get you going and how did you get connected with the law firm?
2: Yeah, uh, and also maybe just kind of go back just a quick reminder on, uh, you know, never forget what happened in 2020. For us, we live in Moscow, Idaho, which is a a blue dot in a red state. And our mayor shut down uh, the economy. We lost three thousand jobs because our mayor shut down the economy in twenty March twenty twenty, all due to the kind of the COVID, you know, debacle. And so when that happened, my church started protesting, and we started singing psalms like what, like that psalm thing that you just saw on the video. But it isn't downtown and. And then we kind of pushed things and protested for, you know, um, you know, every month we'd protest because the city council would extend the outside mandate. There's an outside mandate where you had to stand either six feet apart or wear a mask. If you were standing less than six feet apart, that's the outside mandate outdoors. And then September uh, 23rd is when they finally, we pushed the city council or mayor, we kind of frustrated them. And this is what happens with, with liberals is when you push them and push their authority They're eventually going to get coercive. So even though their authority that they're grabbing is unconstitutional, we finally pushed them to the point where it's like, well, we're just going to coerce you. We're just going to make you obey. And that's where they arrested me. I, my criminal complaint, I won my criminal complaint. It got dropped in January, 2021. And to get to your question, I uh, uh, ended up meeting with both my chief of police and my arresting officer after my criminal complaint got dropped because I I, I knew I was going to sue the city I, I knew I was going to sue the city prosecuting attorney I knew I was going to sue, sue the city supervisor um that was a no-brainer for me I didn't really want to sue the cops because there are cops you know we I it's, um for policing <laughs> uh but I but they had, did you know they egregiously violated my constitutional rights while I was worshiping and so I at least wanted to meet with them and hear from them. So I met with my chief of police, um, who's a good guy, um, but uh, he got caught up in the the moment and um, ended up arresting me. So so I sat down with him and I asked him, you know, what is, what is your oath? How does that apply to defending my rights, my constitutional rights? And why did you arrest me? So that's basically the question I asked him. And we talked for about, and I told him, I told him at the very beginning of this, meeting that i had with my chief police is like look i'm meeting with you because i don't want to sue you i was just very transparent i had nothing to hide and um and then we talked for about an hour hour and a half and it it didn't go that well like i think he was um holding back i think he was being guarded because he thought he was going to get sued and didn't want his words to be held against him so i remember leaving that meeting calling my wife and saying hey i think i need to include the cops in this lawsuit and then the next week I met with my wrestling officer and he, he was really bad. He was egregious. Uh, he said, it, it, I would do it all over again. That's what my wrestling officer said. I'll do it all over again. And so I remember walking out of that. And I was like, I'm absolutely including the cops in this lawsuit because they don't know what their oath is. They don't know their own oath. And they don't know how to defend our nation's constitution. So this is my only mechanism of, you know, my, of airing my grievances and maybe getting something resolved. And so, Thomas More Society, um, by the grace of God, was so kind that they they defended me and they defended me for four years. I mean, it was about a three uh, it was about a three and a half year process, almost four years. And I didn't have the money to fight a city who basically has unlimited taxpayer resources to right. the, to hire prosecutors and defend them. Uh, so, Thomas More Society backed me for three and a half years, and we were in we went in this three year federal lawsuit over a 1983 claim that's what that's what my claim was 1983 um uh uh, lawsuit that kind of came out of the 1870s actually um and uh, so i went in this three and a half year battle and we went through depositions we went through the whole process it's a long process but during that process i we interviewed the city prosecutor the assistant city prosecutor the the city supervisor the former mayor all these people and there's so much egregious stuff that came out that the news the media never reported on like Like the city, the assistant prosecutor was like using bigoted and religious discriminatory language via text messages with her dad and other people regarding my case and my church. I mean, it was was like egregious, very egregious. Um, The mayor and the city supervisor were um, just so dismissive of questions. Um, And so, I mean, if, if people, if the citizens were in the rooms with the interviews, they would be absolutely embarrassed. Of how they answered the questions and how mm. um, they played ignorant in it all. So the three and a half year lawsuit just I just won in July, uh, and we we won three hundred thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand dollars went to Thomas Moore, fifty thousand dollars went to each person involved. There's three people involved, including me, and I get I get fifty thousand dollars, but I also get taxed out of that money. So the city wrongs me. They pay punitive damages, and then I. I turn around and pay them back. It's insane. Our justice is so it's so crazy how this even worked out. So, uh, but I'm grateful for the victory. I felt like we won by you know five points when we should have won by eighty on on how some on um, how some of these things go down. Um, but that's uh, that's kind of the gist of what happened.
1: Well, you talk about the dismissiveness toward the Christianity aspect of it, and even in that news report we just listened to, the news reporter says that you were attending a an apparently peaceful protest. And yet here's the video that he's showing as he's describing it as an apparently peaceful protest. And it's extremely peaceful. Everybody's standing around with their families and their small kids and they're singing to the Lord. They got their hands up. They're praising God. And so this is it's all just a kind of a slam. And then he said, even quoted Jesus, what Wrench called a, quote, worship protest. It was obviously a worship protest.
2: Yeah. Well, you all tell me. So he's doing this. He's mainstream media. He's part of the problem. And if I was holding a Molotov cocktail in the audience, he would have called it a peaceful protest. He wouldn't even call it, apparently. He just called it straight up peaceful protest was Black Lives Matter holding a Molotov cocktail. You also, um, you know, one of the things, again, the media, like the media just does not report on the facts of this case. The mayor shut down our downtown and all my friends' businesses in downtown in March 2020. And within weeks, he goes five miles outside of town. That's his, that's his, the radius of his authority in this, in this emergency order. And he's playing golf and drinking beer with his buddies, you know, three weeks before I got arrested in September of 2020, I got arrested September 23rd, 20, uh, September 23rd. He, uh, I think it was like September 5th or something like that. He was officiating an outdoor wedding, no mask, no social distancing, none of that.
1: So it's kind of like rules for thee, but not for me
2: hundred percent. And this is why the liberal, like the new, the democratic party really is the party of like the CCP. You know, they care about coercion, control, and power CCP. And if you threaten their um, control, if you threaten their power, they're going to coerce you to do what they want you to do, regardless of they got constitutional authority or not. And in addition to that, that like, I, I, this might sound like a pejorative. I don't think it is. I think it's becoming more and more of an apt description, but the democratic party is very cult-like Hmm. Which is why uh, hypocrisy doesn't really affect them. Like, hypocrisy doesn't matter to them, like a cult, you know? And and so the mayor can be disobeying his own emergency orders, have me arrested, have me go through a four-year lawsuit with the city to defend my constitutional rights, and no one cares in town. No one cares that the mayor was playing a hypocrite in all this because of that cult-like mentality. It's just, you know, wear your mask, obey the cult, don't question authority, and move on.
1: So you mentioned that you live in a, I mean, a, a blue dot in a red state. Moscow is a very socialistic kind of town. It's a university town. If you take a look at the map of Idaho and how the voting goes, everywhere there's a university, that's where you see the blue dots. Yeah. And so my question is, I mean, one of the articles I read about you said that you were seen as a pariah in your town. People were getting mad at you. A lot of blue people living around you. Uh, as this lawsuit progressed and things were happening, how was the media covering it and what kind of influence, uh, did you, do you think you had in your community?
2: Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of weird things that were going on too. At the same time, I was running for County commissioner. Um, and so I had already this political, uh, distaste for me where, because I, again, I live in a little town. My County is actually kind of conservative. So I had a lot of support in the rural cities. It was my town. And so there was already like this local distaste for me in my city um, because I was a conservative running against a a Democrat county commissioner. And so you have this – like Moscow is a real – you've already pointed out some of the details. You have University of Idaho in town. It's a liberal university. You have the influence from the university professors in town. You have the city council and the mayor, which is all liberals. They're all made up of liberals. So they control the town. And, and so they control the narratives, the Daily News, which is our local newspaper. They work with the Daily News and control the narratives. I mean, the Daily News in our little town never covered any of the details that would have made the city actually own up and, and, and that really looked bad for them. They never covered any of the details. So it's like me kind of fighting this, you know, this leftist narrative against me. I get my charges dismissed. When I got arrested that night, I remember leaving the jail, walking to my car, which is about. 10 blocks away and and people videoing me and cussing at me as I'm walking to the, so it already, word it already gotten out after three hours in jail. And then I would drive around on Friday. I got arrested on Wednesday. On Thursday, I was in the interviews all day. Ended up on Laura Ingram Fox that night, Glenn Beck and so forth. So that was Thursday. I was in the studio all day. And then Friday is my first day to really kind of run errands and get out and do stuff. My wife needed me to stop by the store on the way home. And I was getting, I was driving around town. People were flipping me off. I would go to Safeway, our local grocery store. People were cussing at me as I'm walking by them. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you you can't make this stuff up. And and I'm the mean guy, right? You know, they're cussing at me and I'm the mean guy in all this. So um, typical liberal kind of hypocrisy and all that. And then as the case just grows, it doesn't matter what happens. I get my case dismissed. I'm still the bad guy. I just won my federal complaint, my federal lawsuit, you know, in the middle of July, you know, just a month ago. I'm still the bad guy. Liberals on social media in town, they're still commenting like, oh, just get out of town. Like a federal judge awarded me $300,000 because of my city violated my First Amendment rights and the liberals in town still think I'm the bad guy. It's insanity.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Well, you were running for your county commissioner. And I remember reading that you said that you, you don't think you were targeted, that you were just happened to be the guy standing closest to the police. Personally, I don't believe that. (laughs) I think you were targeted. Do you stand by that statement or where do you go with that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's potential correlation that you could argue that I was targeted. I think I can only argue a correlated argument, correlation. Um, And so it's not a strong argument. But
1: it'd be an assumption. There's no facts to back it up.
2: Yep. At least I couldn't, not in discovery. I couldn't find any facts to back that up in discovery, but I was running for county commissioner. I was the only politician, our local legislators, our local Senate representative. I was the only politician in town fighting our city council. I was the only politician that was at odds with everybody on the county commissioner board. They all voted against me. I was the only county commissioner candidate in town running who knew that our county was the second highest property tax county in Idaho. The current county commissioner I was running against—he didn't even know that. They're again—they're just—they're all in line. I mean, they're just following the cult liberal cult line, and they just do what they're told. And so I was pushing against all that agenda, and then I let a open up business rally in March 2020, April 2020, and I can tell you more about that. It sounds like you—you you have another question coming. I
1: I do I do because I was watching the video. I watched it multiple times. You were arrested, according to the news report, because you weren't wearing a mask, and that's why they arrested you. And I'm looking at the video, 75, 85% of that that audience, of of people in your church out there singing, they were not wearing masks. And yet it was only you and another couple that gets arrested. I personally think the other couple got arrested to make it look like they weren't singling you out. But if they arrested you and this other couple, why aren't they arresting everybody else who's not wearing a mask?
2: Yeah. I, yeah and point taken i think um you can also just logically it's impossible to arrest 300 people um we don't have big enough jail cells in, in, in our county even to manage that they don't even have a jail bus to manage that but i i think that argument that you're making um i'm open for it just because you know who's won an election that just got arrested two months before none of no one on the city council voted for me no one on the you know county commissioners none of the county commissioners voted for me um obviously the county commissioner i was running against you know so everyone was against me i mean like politically against me so i think you can make a you know a good correlated argument where like i was politically and religiously persecuted and you know my rights were violated as a politician and as a religious churchgoer uh that evening but you know i'm, I'm the reason why I'm I'm not going hard down on that is because I I think in, in a court you need facts you need things to back it up you just can't draw correlations yeah. and I couldn't really find discover those no, facts in, that, in my deposition makes total
1: so, sense makes total sense yeah. uh, again there are a question for you but before I do that I need to acknowledge a few more of our sponsors one of them is Conservatives of which is an organization that might help in this kind of situation uh, Conservatives of is a political action committee that started here in the Treasure Valley. Their mission is to help constitutionally minded conservative Christians get elected to office, and they work by donations. And we have people sitting in our state legislature today and holding office today in this state and throughout America because of the work of conservatives of. Like I said, they work by donations. If you'd like to make a donation, just go to conservativesof.com, make a donation of any size, and be sure to tell them, hey, thanks for sponsoring the Keep the Republic show. They've been a sponsor of this show since the beginning. I also want to thank Michael Hahn with Fathom Realty. If you're a buyer or a seller, it doesn't matter. Mike's going to help you, and he's going to represent you with confidence and integrity. If you're selling, Mike's going to help prepare your property so it appeals to the broadest market of buyers and set the best price the market will bear. If you're buying, Mike's going to help you find the property that meets your needs. Mike's a graduate of the Realtors Institute. He holds multiple specialist designations. He's been doing this since 2005. Contact Michael Hahn at IdahoInvestmentProperties.com. That's IdahoInvestmentProperties.com. Well, we're talking with Gabriel Wrench about his uh, victory in this lawsuit. And Gabe, I wanted to ask you, what do you hope are the ripple effects of this finding from the court?
2: Yeah, that's a, uh, there's a lot there and that's a really good question for starters. I've received more interviews based off this victory than the interviews I received based off the initial arrest three years ago. Wow. And I think the reason is why is because there's a lot of people out there who got absolutely run over during COVID, uh, you know, their business, their kids, schooling, education, um, You know, I mean, every, every angle they got ran over voter integrity. And and so I think just people seeing a victory out of COVID has been really encouraging. Uh, I mean, I can't name that many people uh, who got victories out of COVID. I mean, John MacArthur's, that's a great example of a good victory. Uh, My victory, I think John MacArthur, and my victories are probably the most notable um, national stories that have happened where there's actually victories. And so I I think people are just dying for a win uh, during COVID. And there should have been a lot more wins. I think that's one good outcome of this. Uh, Secondly, is is this victory reminds the court system, reminds the cities, excuse me, not the court system, well, the court system too, but reminds cities that your mayor, your little tyrannical mayor cannot take away your constitutional rights during a pandemic. Can't. No way. Can't tell you what to wear during a pandemic, can't tell you what to put on your face during a pandemic, can't tell you how far you need to stand apart during a pandemic. So I think the the national recognition of of this case hopefully will um remind um you know petty tyrants in this in this war in, the, in our cities that they can't ever do this again, um no matter the circumstances. So um there's there's a lot more to that that question, but those are the two big E on the I charts.
1: That has been an issue that people have been arguing, and it's been kind of an undecided issue. And I encourage the fact that you pushed it, because there are those that say that you cannot be arrested for a order put out by a mayor. Uh, If the mayor makes an order or anybody in the county or the health department makes an order, that's not a law. And so there is this argument out there, right. and I think it's a valid argument. I, I think I personally happen to side that the fact that it's not a law, they can't fine you or, or cite you for violating something that's not a law. Right. Um, what are your thoughts? What have you been? You've been involved in this up to your neck. What have you been hearing about that?
2: Yeah, I think that is still not. This is not going to end that debate. Um, but I absolutely agree with you that um, citizens should follow laws and not made-up orders that have that were um, not that were not voted on by a legislative session legislators are w- who make laws you know this is civics 101 and so I think if a mayor um you know orders are made up law especially emergency orders um, of course they're they're going to try to ground it in the governor's emergency order and Governor little you know may I remind you that I was arrested under governor little's conditions Governor little he was the one that shut down churches initially. Our mayors followed suit like, right. like governor little Republican, you know, so we have this Republican governor who grounded his emergency order supposedly in all our emergency laws that he had. And then my city grounded their powers in the governor's uh, emergency order. And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a mess. It's a fight. Um, but, those health emergency orders are not law. They were not voted on by the legislative session. In fact, Governor Little wouldn't even call them back in to vote it on, on it for a legislative session. Even so,
1: when they asked for it. Right. And herein lies right. the problem because they're gonna there have been they've been saying that, okay, it's an emergency and the and the governor has emergency powers. Um, those powers, according to the Idaho Constitution, is 30 days. He can issue an emergency power. hes I guess he's allowed to extend it another 30 days. And then by law, he's supposed to bring the legislature back into session to decide if they want to continue it. He decided no. And and the former attorney general for Idaho agreed with him on that. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem that I think people don't understand. If the governor mm-hmm. decides to call an emergency, now we've got a dictatorship because he can, if, yep. if we're going to go with this where the governor can yep. say whatever, because there's a quote on an emergency we've just fallen into a dictatorship.
2: Yeah. Um well, I think one of the things that became really clear and apparent in all this is how ignorant our leaders were of history and the past. Um you know, her, Hitler used health orders. Um I mean, there's Jewish health codes that only applied to Jews. <laughs> you know, there was uh, our past um we've been uh, you know, our and, and I would say that the second thing that uh, our the baby boomer generation has failed us. I mean, they just absolutely failed us. Hmm. They were not courageous when they should have been. And the baby boomer generation—I had baby boomers in my town who were conservative Republicans who wouldn't vote for me because I was such a fighter.
1: Isn't that sad? they voted?
2: They voted for they voted for the uh, the liberal candidate against me. And I remember one uh, supposed conservative business owner in town sitting down with me. He's like, "Man, you know, you need to use more honey and less vinegar." You know, kind of that whole argument. I'm like dude, they've shut down my friend's businesses and they shut down his business and he didn't care because he's basically made his money. He's basically made his retirement. And so he's not going to fight. He's financially fine. He can handle the six month, three month, four month, whatever shutdown it was.
1: And that's why we do this show is to educate people. Um, Unfortunately, Gabe, we are out of time for this show. I want to let people know that you do have a podcast. How do people find your podcast?
2: Yeah, my website is CrossPolitic.com. That's Cross of Christ, crosspolitik.com. Jesus Over Politics is our uh, – and we do four shows a week, and we also host a conference. This year our conference is at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky on the politics of six-day creation, and you can go to FightLeftFeast.com to check that conference out. Fantastic stuff.
1: One more time with that website?
2: FightLeftFeast.com. So our tagline in our show is fight laugh feast because we, we believe Christians need to fight better together. We need Christians to laugh together and we need to feast well together
1: I love it. I love it. Gabriel Wrench, thank you for joining me here on Keep the Republic.
2: Thanks for having me, Daniel.
1: And there you go. That's Gabriel Wrench. And I thank you so much for tuning in. We are out of time here. Uh, we will catch you next week. And until then, be
0: blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic. Sponsored by Conservatives of Picture Perfect Window Cleaning, Michael Hahn of Fathom Realty, thinkexodus.org. Also, please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.